I was listening to an old Simon Sinek uh, TED Talk the other day, and he was talking that this talk is about what, what is the kind of the secret to making some people successful, some firms successful, when other people or other firms that do the exact same thing are successful but aren't wildly successful, don't really make a difference in the world around them. And he talks about the golden circle, that most of us, most businesses, do business from the outside of this golden circle to the inside. And there's three rings in the golden circle. The outermost ring is your what, what you do, what everybody knows you do, etc. Uh, the second circle, the middle circle, is how, how you go about doing it. And this is all about thought processes and communication. So the outermost circle is what, the middle circle is how, and the dead center, the center of the golden circle is why, which is one of the most difficult questions to, to ponder. Uh, sometimes people think it's a little bit airy-fairy, I should be burning incense while I'm asking you, what is your why? What is your why? Now, I don't know how different people come to their why, but since I began to focus my energy on teaching baby boomers and Gen X how to repurpose their lives and how to build online businesses, one word keeps coming to mind for myself, almost like a talisman. And that word is relevance, because I want all of you to feel relevant because relevance is so important to me. I've got a guest coming up in just a bit, Janice Sanders, who is her, I would say, and I'm speaking for her, but I think she's, it's pretty obvious when you see her content, what her why is. And her why is leading an intentional life, being intentional and what, if we are intentional, how that can structure us and give us a, and, and help us get to our own center so that we, uh, so that especially those of us that are transitioning from traditional work into new work or into retirement, that, that we can do so in a more fulfilling manner and less chaotic. That's all coming up today on Gray Matters. Steve Dotto here. How the heck you doing this fine day? Welcome to Gray Matters, the podcast for baby boomers and Gen X who are interested in online business. We are interested in finding our place in the digital age. In this podcast, you'll learn about online marketing, community building, social networking, and more, all from our perspective. The world's changing. Our prospects are changing. The job market is not interested in us anymore, and many of us face a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need to take our years of experience and put it to work for us, a side hustle or online business of our own. We need to develop mad skills to adapt and evolve in order to thrive in this digital age. I can help, I want to help, and this podcast will help. It wasn't that long ago that I was struggling to transition from my former career in traditional broadcasting into online business. There were lots of bumps and bruises along the way, but I'm here to say it is a fantastic and worthwhile journey. I am glad you found us. So Rachel Moore, how the heck did your week go? It went really well. We had, uh, we recovered from our big snowstorm here in the Colorado area. And, uh, I don't know, it's, it's springtime. I hope, I, is it springtime for everybody and everybody's having different springtime? Well, in North America, it's springtime. Truth. <laughs> In the, oh, yeah, how's it? in the northern hemisphere i guess it's springtime yes yeah exactly so yeah so it was it was nice well that's certainly good to hear now i don't mean to rush you into things but we have a fairly lengthy interview coming up with janice sanders who i which i know we are going to want to chat about a little bit later so how about you and i just dive right now into our stories of the week Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So everyone listening, I'm sure this is familiar because so many of us use Facebook or Instagram and maybe WhatsApp, uh, but probably using it for your business. Uh, huge outage on Friday, uh, March 19th, where Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp were down. Uh, and this just ties into a really good lesson that we have control <laughs> over a lot of these apps that we're using. Um, over the servers or the internet that makes them possible and that it's important to not put all of our eggs in one basket, um, which what happened, what cracked me up is because as soon as it happened, everyone ran to Twitter to go talk about, oh my gosh, is it down? Is it down? Is it down? Yes, it's down. Oh my gosh. 
And uh, so that was the big story of the week. Um, I, I think they're still waiting on the explanation as to why it went down. But uh, and by the time this podcast releases, they're probably it's probably going to be out there. But I mean, this stuff happens, you mm-hmm. know, and it it happens frequently and more frequently than we'd like. And at, at that point, there's really literally nothing you can do other than write it out and, you know, switch over to whatever else. And be and say, OK, let me go double down on that until things come back to normal. But I did want to share, too, and this is a good link for anyone to have. Uh, if you're ever wondering, hey, I keep trying to reload this site and nothing's working. Is it down? You can totally go to Twitter. It's what I do. But uh, you can also go to downdetector.com. Yeah. And that will tell you if a an online service is having an issue or something. And it actually has right on the homepage, like some, you know, line graphs about service for, for different um, websites you're probably using. That's a good one. We'll put that link in the, in the show description. And there's another one that is uh, kind of related. I think it, it's called, is it me just com? Is it just me.com? <laughs> Uh-huh. Which is uh, it's especially good if you're might be having an issue with your own website, or if you're trying to get to a, a not a major service but a website and it's if it's down. So uh, we'll make sure that we just get the we get the correct URLs for that, and we will include those in the in the show notes, which you can reach if you visit uh, dototech.com forward slash sixty gray datotech.com forward slash 60 gray for this episode. Well, that's a good story. And I was, I was wondering if you were jonesing or not with the, uh, having the, having the, the Facebook and the Instagram down. I didn't even notice. I had such a busy Friday that I didn't even notice. And, and it was, uh, there was a different amount of, uh, impact in, in different countries as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will, we will have a link to that story. I, I think I'll say it's my, my first story then will be, will kind of go along the same lines of, uh, of the, the cautionary note that you put forward. You know that I've been following in the privacy rollout as Apple is changing the privacy rules of what apps can do on their smartphones. And uh, what would Apple uh, issued a fairly stark warning to uh, different developers of apps to tell them not to try and do end runs on Apple and work their way around Apple's privacy settings that they're being that they're putting forward and they are going to be shall we say draconian in their in <laughs> which Apple uh-huh. has a reputation of being in in punishing the apps which uh, which do it now but here's the issue so what when 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 I say they're being draconian what Apple will do is they will remove support from it and they will remove it from the App Store, which Ooh. will cause, which could cause you can't get updates. Uh, you can't if you if you have the app installed on your phone, uh, you're basically orphaned. And this is a real problem if you've come to rely on an app. It's not such a big deal if you're going to look for something and you can't download it because Apple's removed it from the store, so you can't find it. So you know n- nothing ventured, nothing gained there. Mm-hmm. But if you are already using a tool and relying on that tool, and it's a part of your life. And Apple disenfranchises that um, that manufacturer from the App Store. You're hooped. Uh, yes, you're, you're done. You're, so we have to be very, very careful about which you know the uh, almost kind of measuring the temperature of the water of the apps that we are that we are downloading. And in a big part of this warning uh, is, of course, getting Facebook in line. But you know, and I don't want to get too political about it, but. The apps are generated in China, which there's a there's it seems to be a massive disconnect of trust between what's happening in North America and China these days, and that will be and that's just going to be manifest even more even more uh, even more kind of it comes into focus a little bit more even as we consider where these apps are. So that's a it's a word of warning. You're you're spot on. It's a big deal if they're threatening to say we will not put this out. I mean. I was just on a Twitter space yesterday where someone said, hey, oh, you're not seeing that feature. Just make sure you have the latest update. That will go out the window if the mm-hmm. Apple Store decides, well, no, you you tried to give us the runaround and we're we're booting you. So you're right. It's it's a that's a non-starter. And that's a you know, you say draconian, and that's right. They're gonna enforce that. And that's that's a real threat for people when they are making apps and they rely on people to download setups and use them and have the updates. So yeah, big the- deal right there. You know, if I was a developer, it would be it would be the bane of my existence. Apple takes a huge cut of mm. the profits that that developers can make, and it's basically a closed shop. They really have a monopoly on the applications that run on the iPhone, and uh, so they've done they they've done a good job of protecting their self interests. And to be fair, Apple often uh, goes very aggressively in protecting the interests of their of the of their users as well. Not as much as they protect their own interests, but uh, mm-hmm. but but they they do they do protect us as well to a certain extent. 
So you mentioned Twitter. You, your your next story is all about Twitter as well, right? It is, but uh, there's a tie into YouTube. So I know uh, some of our listeners, and I'm one of them, and I think you are too. We use YouTube to monetize, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're not using YouTube to monetize, why not? It's it's pretty easy to get into once you get to the the very lower the low barriers, the pretty accomplishable barriers uh, to start monetizing your channels. Um, so let's say you're a YouTube user and you're monetizing your channels. And, uh, one way that you try to get people to your YouTube channel is to go post your YouTube links on Twitter. So Twitter is announcing that rather than like, say, if you tweet out a link to your video right now, I would see that tweet and I would click on the link and I would be ushered into the YouTube app or Mm -hmm. to the browser with YouTube and see your video, which is great. Unless people have installed the video in their own blog post, which is what we recommend they do. Exactly. You can embed it and that's great. Yeah. Because then you're, you're doing double duty yes. right there. But um, if you're posting a link to YouTube, what they're going to start doing is letting that video play natively in the feed. Now I'm curious, I'm, I'm assuming uh, that as they do that, that's going to still count as a view and, and count toward your stats, hopefully on YouTube, on your YouTube channel. But what that won't do then is drive the person to your channel where now they're living on your channel in the YouTube app. Yeah, Twitter wants about, them to stay in Twitter. They want to stay on site. Yeah. So, so exactly. it, it, it's retaining that so that the next video or the next thing that they do after that video is over is not bounced to another video that's being recommended by YouTube, but instead move on to the next, uh, the next item in their news feed. Or in the yes. feed of the of, of their Twitter feed, so that's smart. That's uh, that's going to be interesting. And when is this rolling out? Uh, it says they're starting to test it, but they are planning to do it. And honestly, this made me announcement that we talked about where they're going to start letting Twitter users monetize their tweets uh, mm-hmm. to say you can only see these certain tweets if you're paying me to see them. Um, could be a good way, you know, especially again, and we should always be thinking about this. You can monetize your YouTube channel once you are able to monetize your tweets you could make sure that that's just a tiny bit gated. And so people can see your videos and your tweets if you if they pay a fee. But I thought that was interesting time. Will it extend beyond YouTube into playing back other videos, say a Vimeo video or videos from other platforms? I can only imagine. I mean, obviously YouTube's the big player, right? Uh, Vimeo, they probably just maybe see a fraction. It might be a substantial fraction, but not to the, to the degree that they're seeing so many YouTube videos being shared on Twitter. But why not? I mean, why not, you know, expand that out and, and see if it works? Yeah, and and they, you know, the, the, a lot of them will be fringe players that uh, that kind of can take advantage of this. But with allowing Twitter to then, if Twitter becomes seen as a video playback channel, as a channel that people go to for videos, um, I mean, they're never going to have the search engine that YouTube has, but based on feed, based on who people are subscribing to, mm-hmm. it could be an option for creators to get their content into the hands of their of their consumers a little bit more uh, with a little more um, regularity or a, mm-hmm. a little more confidence because YouTube, of course, the algorithm determines whether or not, even if you're subscribed to a video, it determines whether or not you see that video. Well, I think Twitter does too to a certain extent, yeah. but uh, at least in the early days, Whenever there's any new feature, they tend to oversubscribe it. They tend to overpromote it. So if you are a YouTube creator and you do want to, you do have a decent Twitter following, I would definitely keep my eye on this and and be taking advantage of it, at least for the initial, for the honeymoon period. Yeah, at least. and consider yeah. too, it's a great encouragement to build community on Twitter because, you know, yeah, you have comment threads and stuff and live chats on your on your live streams on YouTube. But you can have that community and that engagement on Twitter via Twitter threads and things like that. So I, I do think it'll, I, I I love Twitter and I love YouTube. So I kind of like this marriage and mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how it plays out. Uh, if, if anybody is uh, interested in get, learning a little bit more about Twitter and they're listening to this podcast on the day that it's being released on the first couple of days, uh, on this coming Friday, on our Foundational Fridays, we're going to be doing a Twitter, an introductory to Twitter training. If you drop by dottotech.com and we'll again put links to that in the description. Uh, but we've got a terrific uh, introductory training to Twitter because a lot of us don't get Twitter completely. Uh, but we make sure that we're teaching in this introductory um, lesson uh, why you would want to use Twitter. And you explained some of that in the first in the first uh, your first news story, the whole issue around the, that's where people turn to to find out what's happening. Mm-hmm. I know I do. <laughs> yeah, that's and, and and people who use Twitter a lot. That's the thing, and it's a very reliable. Uh, once they've, once, once you learn how to see through all the BS, um, it's a very reliable, um, taking the temperature of what's happening in the world or in, in a lot of local, you know, what's happening down the street, people are tweeting about it. My final story is just blowing me is okay. 
augmented reality, AR, and virtual reality, VR, are probably the two of the fastest technology growth areas. And to a certain extent, it's happening in a vacuum, at least for our generation, baby boomers and Gen X, because we aren't the sort of people that are going to run out and buy a virtual reality headset and start 3D gaming and figuring out that that whole process. But if you've ever tested one out, if you've ever tried a virtual reality headset, you know that it is it's a game changer. It's it's, it's world changing as far as the the experience that that the, that you have and the potential that it can become. And one of the leaders in this space, Facebook. Facebook has their has their Oculus headset and they've got uh, and they're really they're, they're investing a huge amount of their profits in in building virtual reality. Now, virtual reality's kiss and cousin is something called augmented reality or AR. Now, AR works uh, and we're starting to see it very often on our phone. For example, I've got a smartphone app that back in the days when airplanes used to fly in the air and take people from one city to another city, I can simply point my phone up in the air and it then uh, overlays in, on my phone where all the planes are above my head. So if, if I see a plane flying overhead, I can literally launch this app, point my phone at the, at the, at the airplane, and it will then, uh, a bubble will pop up saying it's Air Canada Flight 722 flying to Toronto. It'll tell me the equipment, it'll tell me the load, it'll tell me, it'll tell me everything about that plane. Uh, and it's, 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 I will put a link to the app in yeah. the, uh, in the description. It's, it's in the free version does it as well. It's, it's amazing, but that's what augmented reality does is it takes and it overlays other information with what you are seeing in the physical world. Uh, the Pokemon go game, yes. when people would run around looking at their phones, that was a form of augmented reality. Now what's happening is augmented reality is fine. If you need your device for interaction, it's, it's a little bit limiting. Facebook is working on technology that's wearable technology that includes glasses. And now when, as soon as we talk about any sort of computer glasses, we have, we have a post-traumatic stress because of the Google uh, debacle <laughs> of several years back. But Facebook's version of this includes a wristband. A, 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 actually, it almost looks like it's an Iron Man's wristband. It's a fairly large <laughs> wristband right now that they're showing us. But it actually measures the neurons firing in your wrist, which are going to your fingers, which gives, when it's married to these glasses, it allows you to manipulate the information in front of you. So it's not just displaying augmented reality information, but now actually interacting with that augmented reality information. And uh, I'll post a, a link to a video, which you'll just, if you are interested in this, uh, you know, Facebook is starting to share. It's not technology that's here today. We're talking in the probably four to 10 year range that we're going to start to see these things applied. But certainly, uh, you know, within our lifetime, we're going to be able to put on a pair of glasses and be wearing a glove or a wristband, and we're going to be able to interact with heads-up display type information that's being projected only into our eyes that only we can see, which is, uh, which is, uh, which is, uh, I just think, mind it blows your mind, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and just as a quick reminder, the issue that we had with Google Glasses was the privacy situation, was the fact that there was a camera on it that was recording everything and recording people without their knowledge. They're going to have to overcome that issue because there has to be some sort of a display, some sort of a camera, so that you can see the real world. At least I think they're, yeah, they're going to have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know how they're going to work their way through that. But still, it is, it is exciting <laughs> and uh and uh, it, 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 it it invokes all sorts of different reactions from me as i look at this but uh and it also makes me feel really old sometimes <laughs> <laughs> i i love that you brought up iron man too that's exactly where my brain went i'm like oh it's gonna be like uh jarvis where we can like just kind of see things you know pop up and information and like you know my my concern this is where my mind went to right after that um, I hope nobody hacks that to where it's like, and I can undress you with my glasses. Because- oh, they already had that. Oh, they no. Had that. Yeah, that's they, they have augmented reality. Uh, at least, how do I know this, Steve? I read something <laughs> on it. I, I, don't, I think it's an app that goes on your phone that, they, that, that does it. And I don't believe it's available in the app store as we were talking about earlier. Hmm. It's probably a Google Play thing. It's probably from the <laughs> Google store that... I was just thinking about healthcare professionals. What if you are a doctor and you're coming, walking into a room to see a patient? Now there's, there's always that communication issue where some people are just, they forget. I know I do sometimes forget to relay symptoms or, Hey, I have a problem, but uh, I either can't or won't be upfront about it. And a doctor could 
instantly see, yes, but I can tell you've got, you've got a rush here or you've got your, your blood pressure. Oh, you're elevated. talking about the imaging. You're talking yeah. about the imaging capability. But, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm going there with this. Like, oh, this could be Well, certainly with wearables, the medical, the medical uh, community, anybody that has an Apple watch knows that, uh, you know, the amount of medical information that we're getting from our medical, uh, from our watch now such, is such as our, our heart rate yeah. and, and that sort of thing is, is, is just amazing uh, again it's it, it's here and it's just it just blows me away that we have this 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 capability i mean i've got here i've got a blood pressure i've got a bluetooth blood pressure monitor that i check my blood pressure and uh, it's just they've got ekg is it ekg ECG? yeah ekg machines that the apple watch will do that to a certain extent now it's yeah. not as accurate as you're going to go into the clinic and get it done but darn it it's you know even if it's even if it's not as accurate today what's it's it going to be like be- tomorrow yeah like i and get i get my sleep measured like saying hey here's here's how well you slept last night and things like that and in yep. other health stats where you're like this is really valuable information i could actually relay to my doctor next time i visit and say hey i've noticed this it's in it's amazing <laughs> and it gamifies it because yeah. you can because you if you are if you are working on your blood pressure you can be measuring it on a every other day basis without having to leave so you can actually have a reward or or, or penalize yourself and, and then and then adjust your adjust accordingly Do you need a little more Steve time? I get it. And I have something for you. Do you know that we host a free live training almost every week? This is a fact. Most weeks we host a free tutorial webinar covering productivity, content creation, and online marketing. It is called Webinar Wednesday. And you can find out about this week's webinar by visiting dototech.com slash webinar Wednesday or check out the links in the show notes. You know, Webinar Wednesday has become an online institution. I've hosted over 160 of them, and we are still going strong. I know, it almost sounds too good to be true. Free training every week and a chance to learn more about productivity, content creation, or online marketing, and more Steve? Oh, pinch me. I'm in a little bit of heaven. The links are in the description, or visit dototech.com slash Webinar Wednesday. Every day, tens of thousands of people in North America and Europe around the world retire. Some of them are forced to retire. Some of them choose to retire. But I wonder what percentage of those that are in that stage are actually prepared to retire. That They've given all of the thought in advance and they are ready to step into this new stage in life in full control. And I just have to imagine that it is a small percentage. There's no doubt that the transition from employment to retirement or to your own side hustle, but the move from your day-to-day life as an employee into whatever comes next can be at best disconcerting. At worst, it can be downright devastating. Janice Sanders is trying to help people do that transition, plan for that transition, think in advance of what they're going to be doing as they change from permanent employment to whatever comes next. And she's also helping those who have gone through that change in finding, uh, maybe getting a little bit more center back in their lives. So I asked her, first of all, just how long she had been employed before she did the transition herself. 35 years at the same company. That's Was that common in the firm you worked for? You know, more so than you would think, especially in the group that I was with, we had several people who were very long career in that company and also actually very long career in that particular group I was with. We had one manager who was just really outstanding and he just had a following of people who just stayed with him much longer than most people ever stay in one group. So was he your manager? Yeah, he was my manager for 15 of the last 17 years. So he left before you? Yes, yes. So was that the beginning of the end? Yeah, that was kind of the beginning of the end. I mean, he someone took over from him initially who was wonderful. I enjoyed working with her a lot. We got along great, but that was, I guess, it's just a temporary hold. And then they made some management changes and brought in somebody new. And, you know, it's just a whole different vibe and a whole different feeling and just different direction. And just, you know, it wasn't the same at all. So you are unlike a lot of our listeners. You um, intentionally decided that you were going to leave the company? Were they offering buyouts? Were they, were they incentivizing you? Not necessarily. Um, but 
you know, just because I'd been there for a long time, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a terrible financial thing for me to leave. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, you know, they were doing layoffs left and right. And I just, and that was one of the things I had trouble with. It's just, I felt like that, um, they were doing layoffs they didn't need to do. And I thought some of them were rather reckless actually. And, uh, and I just thought, well, my job was chief of staff. And so I would have to be part of the execution of that strategy. And I just was really uncomfortable with that. Then I also thought, well, if I put my hand in the air and I volunteer, because they, they were pushing expense cuts, it was extremely important for them to reduce expenses. That was a high priority. So I thought, well, if I leave, you know, the longer you've been there, the more you're paid. So I thought, well, maybe if I leave, that might save a couple other people who maybe you know, would have been on the list. And Me, and they did. <laughs> yep. Did yep. you have any regrets immediately? Like as soon as you raised your hand, did you go like a hard swallow? No, immediately, no. I was just so unhappy. I was so excited to get out of there, to mm. be honest. They asked me to stay for three and a half months to transition so they could get to help them live without me. Um, I did very little to help me live without them, but um, I was just, you know, it was just not a good place at that time for me. And I was just so unhappy. I, you know, at that point I had no regrets. I was very happy to walk out the door. So give me time frame. You were 35 years in this job. How long ago was it? That was your last day. It'll be three years in June. So it's still pretty fresh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So you, so you stepped out and now day one, you cut your home. Is it, are you feeling relieved? Is it, uh, is it all, or immediately are you starting to, you know, have second thoughts? Well, you know, the timing was perfect because my husband's a teacher. So we tend to take off in the summer and go down to, to the beach. And, um, so the timing was ideal. So my last day was June 30th. I oh, right, came the home, start of summer holidays. Yeah. yeah. Got in the car and drove down to the beach and stayed there for three months and or two and a half months or so. And I uh, said, so, you know, no regrets whatsoever. Very happy to be sitting on the beach without worrying about checking my phone and what my emails were coming in, what disaster was happening and this and that. So at first, no regrets whatsoever. Was there, was there, was there the phantom limb syndrome though? Did you kind of, did you kind of feel like you're missing something and you should be doing something? Yeah. I mean, that definitely kicked in, you know, after when that really kicked in was in the, in the fall. Cause like I said, the summer is just fun for us. And we mm -hmm. have, you know, in pre pandemic, we had, you know, constant visitors and this and that. It was just wonderful to be able to relax and not worry about work. Then we come back to September and my husband goes back to school, you know, and starts working again. My daughter was still in college. So she goes to, you know, she leaves for school. My son is living in the city in, in Manhattan and, uh, you know, see, he's, you know, with us once in a while on the weekends, but he was out of the house. So it's that, that October time that like, you know, and around here on the East coast, it gets dark, like three 30 in the afternoon and four and, uh, just the quiet in the house and the darkness in the house. I was setting timers, you know, around the house to put the lights on before it got super dark and I was leaving the TV on and everything. And just, and constantly like trying to keep in touch with the people who were still there. I didn't have this feeling of like, don't you all miss me? I mean, what, what's going on here? It was just like, it was a really strange feeling when everyone was going back to work and everyone was going back to normal and everybody was going back to stuff. And I'm like, but where am I going? I'm you not were, going anywhere. I think yeah. there's a good term. I guess you were feeling disenfranchised. You just yeah. you weren't part of the, you weren't part of the program anymore. Yeah. I mean, it was strange. I mean, I, I, I struggled. I really did struggle. It How was long a did tough it take feeling. before like you go into like September comes, your husband goes to work, all of a sudden you're rattling around the house for the first time. How long was it, how long did it take for se that sense of disquiet to settle in? Oh, probably a good few weeks, good few months, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was, I, I never did quite feel quite right. You know, mm -hmm. well, we, we, we planned a big, my, my daughter went to uh, Cape Town, South Africa for her uh, spring semester that, um, that coming up spring. And so I've spent a lot of time planning for that. And uh, we planned a trip for us and extended family to go. So that took up a lot of my time and energy. And I tried to stay really focused on that. But um, that also was a bad time too, for me, because I'm a major, major worrier. And for her to be on the other side of the, of the globe, far away. And I was like, I can't get there to help you. And if there was ever this thought, this is so stupid timing of my, on my part, if there was ever a time I needed to be buried deep in work, it would be right now. And when, when I need to not be worried about her. And mm. so that was, 
that was really tough to not have, you know, something else occupying me and something, another purpose for myself when, you know, I, I spent way too much time worrying. <laughs> so you, so you were thinking, so once that was done, once you were done with your busyness of planning the trips and kind of helping your daughter out, did you, was it a, did you, did you notice that you were sinking and, and would it be fair to say that you were, uh, that you were sinking into a depression or just a, just a, a sense of malaise? Just probably, I don't know whether you clearly call it depression. It was just an odd place. You know, I mean that the job I had was like just constantly people need, needed something, you know, I mean, I was part a big part of my job was managing the budgets and then of course the 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 people resources because the people resources are the budgets so what in your job career in your in your functional day doesn't involve money and people i mean so like i was constantly you know oh chance can you help me with this i have a quick question on that i mean i would be begging for 5 minutes just to myself to just have a few seconds to stop and think. And, and here I am with lots of seconds of, and lots of minutes and lots of hours to stop and think. And like, doesn't anybody need me? It was just, it was just a weird feeling that nobody needed me. I, I, I kind of get the feeling that, uh, that the world used to entertain you. They would always bring you things that would keep you occupied. And now suddenly you have to become intentional. You have to figure things out for yourself. And that exactly. was, a, that was, yeah. that, that was a real change in direction that you weren't quite prepared for. Yeah, I think that's a very fair way of phrasing it. Yeah. So now let's let's fast forward to the beginning of you crawling out of this. Was it you that was it you that started it? Was did your husband get on your case and say, "Hey, you know, I where's the woman I married?" <laughs> I don't think he was paying any attention. But um, no, I, I was I was with a friend, a good friend of mine, who actually was worked with me on our on our team for a long time, and she knew me very well. She knew the work that I did, and. So we spent some time together and she's like, okay, what are you, you know, what's going on? What are you doing? And, you know, and um, finally she just turns, she's very, she's a very direct, very bright person. And she turns to me, she says, okay, it's enough already. It's time for you to do something. And uh, I thought, all right, well, I wasn't sure I wanted to enter in that whole conversation. So I just said, maybe I'll write a book, you know, mm -hmm. just a way to kind of like get it. Let's talk about something else. And uh, she says, why don't you do a blog? And I'm like, well, Honestly, Steve, I had at that time absolutely no idea what a blog was. And now that I know what they are, I realize I had been reading some before, but I didn't even realize that's what I was reading. And she says, you know, this would be a good way for you to just, you know, look around and see there might be, you can't be the only one who feels like this. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know, that's not a bad idea. So I spent the next couple of months reading books and learning what I could about what a blog was and how it all worked. And, and then you decided to do one. Yeah. Now, did you recognize that it would be therapy or was it just like therapeutic for you? Or was it just something to keep you busy? Cause I imagine it was very therapeutic. It was extremely therapeutic. And one of the things that was really therapeutic about it was the building of the website itself. I loved doing that. Really? Cause like, well, because I, at my job, I was the manager, you know, so I would, and we had someone who built the website. And so I would be involved with like, we would whiteboard things and say, let's look at it. We want it to look this way and that way. And it, we were, it was the, our department website inside a large company. So we didn't have, you know, free reign or anything. We had some limited, a lot of limitations on what we could do, but, you know, we could structure it the way we wanted to and whatever. But so I was very involved with what it should look like, but I didn't press any buttons. He did everything, you know, it would come back a day later, miraculously done. And also, again, I had this wonderful team of people who took such good care of me. I mean, even little things like when we had to do video conferences or something, they're like, oh, Janice, we'll get there. had an idea in my head, and this is, again, such a good lesson to learn all these different things. And what I put together on the screen at first 
to me was extraordinarily clear because <laughs> I knew what I wanted it to be. And then I, I, when I finally got the nerve to take the coming soon off, you know, and, uh, so it was actually open. I don't know what I thought that like I take it down and like the whole world's going to look at it. I mean, no one's looking at it. But, so I, I, sh- I showed it to a few people and like my sister is extraordinarily blunt. And she says, I don't understand who your audience is. I don't understand where, you know, what exactly, what's exactly your, your message here. And I was like, oh, it's, it's clear to me. But I was like, okay, I have to, I have to understand that if someone else that's not involved in it is reading it and sees it that way, then that's real, you know, that, mm-hmm. that is real. And I have to embrace that and understand that. So that made me kind of stop and say, okay, who is my audience and what is my purpose and why am I doing this? And a reader who comes to to the site, what, you know, I, what do I want them walking away thinking and saying and, and, and wanting to come back for? We should share the, the, the website domain name because it's a fairly involved <laughs> domain name. It's not exactly one that you, that fits easily on a business card. I just retired now what.com. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> here's the part of the, you learned that, okay, I couldn't start learning the website until I bought the domain and, st- and, and got it on the host and started working on it. And then you start learning all these things and go, oh, well, that was maybe not the best name to pick. And you start realizing why, but you're already there. So yeah, you're keep, not going to change it. Yeah. Embrace it. Embrace yeah, it. Yeah. So now the, the, the content started to evolve and your content became very much a guide, a tutorial, a, a, uh, a support mechanism for people who were going through these, the early stage of retirement and finding a way to maybe if not preparing before you retire to come to terms with what it means to be retired and to come up with a strategy so that you don't fall into, uh, into traps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I really do. I, I, I'd like to hope that people see it before you retire is probably mm. even a, a better approach that. Well, be- let's, let's, let's just ask you, how prepared were you? How much did you prepare before you retired? You had 35 years, you're a manager, you're an intelligent woman, <laughs> and you knew that you wanted to leave this job. What did you do to plan for that retirement? Other than financial, what did you plan for your time? Yeah, I did absolutely nothing. Absolutely mm. nothing. You know, so, and that's exactly, and I thought, you know, I'm not a stupid person. So if I didn't plan for this, I'm sure there are other people who find themselves in the same boat. And that's where kind of the, the name kind of came from. It's like, yes, I want to retire. I want to get out of here. I'm done with this, walking out the door. And then you look up at the building as you're walking out and you say, now what am I going to do? You know, literally now what, you know? You know, we, with dogs, I, you're, you're a dog person. Yes. I'm a dog person. Yes. When you, when dogs have jobs, they're happy. Yeah. And when they don't have a job, they get in trouble. Yes. And you had a job. And this is something that I, that I also recognize from when I stopped doing my TV show and moved on is I had a job and I thought since I was busy and since the job filled that, filled that need in my life, that it would be easy to just find a new need as soon as I retired. And I was so wrong that I could, could practically be the mayor of wrongville because I, when I was left to my own devices, I became a dog wandering around looking for stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I actually thought people might reach out and try to f- hire me, you know? So oh, there, yeah. there, there was that feeling of like, well, I'm just going to have a good time now for a little while because someone's eventually going to reach out and I'm going to be offered a job again. So that was partially in the back of my mind. So you were saying, yeah, I'm the, I'm the bell of the ball. Look, I'm available. Yeah, yeah. Did, did anybody reach out to you? Well, no, but I did get, yes, in a way, I, I got a call or a message from someone on LinkedIn and they said, you know, that they, uh, it was just someone from another company said that he, that I was recommended to him by someone that I knew at, at my company and he, and he forwarded me the job and he said to talk to you about this job and he forwarded me the job description and I'm like, oh my God, the job description was exactly the job I had done. And so I thought, well, of course they would have recommended me for that job because that's you're perfect for perfect it. for it, you know. And so I, you know, I said, fine, I'll, I'll talk to you and set up a call like in a week or so. And so at the time between that point and the call, I'm like practicing what I'm going to say and thinking to myself, do I want to go back to work? Do I want to do this? Should I? Maybe I should try. You know, maybe, as long as he makes it worth my while, and you know, I had all these thoughts in my head about how I was going to handle that. 
And then the call comes on and he doesn't want to hire me at all. He wanted to ask me about other people. And, you know, he wanted to know if I knew anyone who would be good for this job. And then he also asked me about reference about someone I had worked with who was like 25 years younger than me. And uh, I thought, oh, my goodness gracious. So (laughs) that was a bit of a blow to the ego. I can imagine. Did you feel foolish? Yeah. I mean, foolish and angry, though. Yeah. Angry. I mean, I was sitting there on the phone thinking, he said, well, you know, put your thinking cap on and see who you can think to help me. I'm like, oh, yeah, you bet, man. I'm going to spend all my time helping all of my time this afternoon thinking how I'm going to help you. I like I was kind of I was insulted and angry and a little embarrassed. I mean, luckily, I didn't let on at the beginning of the call that like that's what I thought the call was about. So I think I redeemed myself. Okay, but, you know, I had told my family. This invokes such insecurity in me. Yeah. Hearing the story because I'm thinking back to you know the the time in high school that you talk to the girl and you think she's interested in you and she just wants to ask about your friend right and what, and what a horrible horrible and I'm laughing at you but what a horrible experience it was and just how I can still remember the, the like a feeling in the pit of my stomach and this spiral like the world shifted out from underneath me I can see how that would be a that would shake your foundation shake your confidence in yourself mm-hmm. as well as. I can see how it would generate anger and frustrations. What's the matter with the world? Don't they see what I have to Exactly. Offer? But you know what it did though? It made me want to buckle down on what I'm doing and say, I'm going to make this website. I'm going to make what I'm doing here. I'm going to make it, make it real, make it lively for people, make it, make it impactful and make, I'll it, show you. make it count. Exactly. I don't need your job. Yeah. So one of the things that's wonderful about your site is it's not just about the experience of retiring and it, you actually have a plan that people can go to that can help them through this process. Now you're not going to tell them what to do, but you create a structure that allows them to discover it themselves. Yeah. I mean, a big part of my job, my life in general was, was about planning and structuring and, and, and time management. I was actually a certified, um, uh, instructor for the old Franklin Covey. Um, oh, shut uh, up. Yeah. <laughs> that was a long, the long books, time ago. Yeah. I took the time text course, which was very similar. And man, I looked forward to that catalog coming so you could choose what your diary was going right. to look like and which page, you know, are you going to go for the five by seven or the good, you're going to go big time with, I, the, with the, with the legal size or the eight and a half by 11 inch. And oh my gosh, that's yeah. bringing me way back. Oh, I know. Well, see at the time I was running the training program for the corporate finance, the, um, the new hires and, you know, they come in out of, out of MBA program and they're like got their heads in the clouds and they're just not you know they're late to the class each day and they're you know they're not getting their work done on time whatever so we incorporated this time management part into the into the program and uh so i got myself certified so i could teach that too i taught part of the risk management piece but i thought i love this time management part i thought let me teach this too so anyways that that and again between you know i worked at a job where i was had a two-hour commute i had two children at home i had you know a lot of things to balance and structure so my my whole foundation was set on how to organize myself and the structure around my my life and my time. So that's just, and I just love that stuff. So that's just part of who I am. And I think that's a big part of what I struggled with when I stopped working is this empty blocks on your calendar. Yeah. And like, I have no particular reason to get up in the morning other than the fact that I like to walk my dogs early in the morning before the other dogs come out because they're not very friendly to them. But um, besides that, I had no particular reason to get up at this time versus that time. And uh, and then you come back and it's like, okay, now what am I going to do today? And so like that lack of structure, I you know, I think most people think, oh, isn't that wonderful? There's and in some ways, it's great to not have that schedule that is so binding. But on the other hand, I really needed some amount of structure. And I realized then that this, you know, there's a balance here someplace. So there's a, a, a book that I had read uh, by uh, Cal Newport. I think it's called Deep Deep Thought or Deep Work. I can't remember. Deep Work. Deep yep. Work. Yes. I, I read the book and it was, I love his stuff. I've read several of his books now, but um, he talks about the idea that you, we tend to put in our schedules like yeah, um, interruptions. I have a dentist appointment. I have a call I have to make. I have whatever. We don't block out time for ourselves for the things we like and what we want to do, whether it's work-related or not work-related. So that came back. And as I, I changed a lot about the way I structured my workday then when I was still working. And that came back into my mind as I was coming to grips with the fact that the lack of structure in my day is what was causing me to feel 
so kind of lost and meandering. And so I thought, you know, there's no reason why I can't block out my time in a way that works for me based on, you know, just because I'm not working, I can block if I'm if I care about um, taking care of myself, I'll make sure I block out time for exercise. I'll make sure I block out time to um, reach out and call someone I haven't talked to in a while, or at least send an email or something. I'll block out time to do some of this learning that I've been wanting to do, rather than saying, you know, oh, at the end of the week, oh, I should have I oh, wish I had done that, or I, I, I wish I had, oh, it's, yesterday was a gorgeous day, and didn't, why didn't I get out to walk, but, you know, I, I didn't find the time to do it, and, you know, so plan it more forward. And so you you actually, if you if people visit your site, uh, which is, once again, I just retired now what.com, we will have links in the show notes, uh, but if they visit your site, you have a block planner that they can download that can help them structure. It's probably a little bit different than you would do calendar blocking if you were employed, um, but you've got this, and I love how you, um, I love how you, what your subtitle is. You say live forward with intention, which is great, but not backwards with regret. Mm-hmm. And it strikes me that if you are planning things, here's, let, let me kind of give a, a little bit of a scenario. Um, when I first kind of was, was, I wasn't retired, but when I stopped doing structured work and started drifting <laughs> in the wilderness, I would be busy all day long. But I would look back and I wouldn't feel like I got anything accomplished. And actually, that's probably being mirrored right now by many people with the pandemic. But if you block out things, and even if you're blocking out things that maybe aren't super productive, but you know in advance that you're going to spend an hour and a half just, you know, cleaning the Mm -hmm. kitchen, you know, because you're working from home and now, you know, you're in the kitchen more. So I'm going to spend an hour and a half. If you had spent an hour and a half of your workday cleaning the kitchen, you'd feel like you did nothing all day. But if you, if it was in the calendar, then you, you did it intentionally, mm-hmm. in which case you feel more of a sense of accomplishment. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, in fact, I, I tell a story in one of the articles that supports the, the planner. I said, listen, if you had, you wake up on Thursday morning and it's a rainy, lousy day and you just don't feel like doing anything. It's, and just, you know, you make your coffee before, you know, you turn the TV on and one program runs into the next program and like in the day kind of morphs away. You don't, you don't get much done. At the end of the day, you feel pretty lousy. Um, now you take that same scenario and, uh, and, and change it around a little bit. Let's say Sunday night, you take a look at this, the week ahead of you. And you say, okay, look, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday look like nice days. Um, you know what? I'm going to get out and walk on Monday and Wednesday. I'm going to call my friend and see if she can come with me. I have someone I can talk to. Tuesday would be a perfect day to set aside to get some um, errands done, maybe maybe a dent on that big project I was going to work on, et cetera, et cetera. And Thursday looks like a lousy day. You know what? I'm going to make Thursday my 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 take it easy day as a reward for getting you know stuff done earlier in the week. So the week goes on, you do your thing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning rolls around, you wake up, it is this lousy, horrible day. You um you make your coffee, you put on your comfy clothes, maybe you watch a training video or something that you had planned on or put on a, a show that you've been planned ahead that you wanted to catch up on. And you basically like kind of lounge around on, on Thursday, not doing a whole lot, but at the end of it, you, you, you feel, you feel completely different at the end of scenario two than you did at scenario one, even though you did practically the same thing on um, both those Thursdays. Yeah. It's kind of like cheat days on a diet. If you know <laughs> that you, if you, if you say, you know what, on the weekend, I'm going to have pizza and we're going to eat whatever we want but I know that I'll be back to the, the, I'll be disciplined on Monday again. If you've got, if it's, cause if it's written down, it's much easier to do. Yeah, very much so. So if you had it to do over again, Janice, if you had this, if you could, could be prescient and you would know before you retired that you were, that you could do something to avoid the, the challenges that you faced in retirement, what would you tell people to do in the last few years of employment to prepare themselves for this next phase? Yeah, I would tell them to really spend some time thinking ahead about what it is they, they like, what it is they like to do, what brings them joy, and see what they can start incorporating into their life now so they can phase it in a lot easier. Like the people that I know who did the best with the whole transition to retirement were already doing something beforehand. I mean, one individual was a professor or is a professor and he maybe taught one course at night while he was working. And then, so when he stopped working, he just added more courses and he just kind of morphed from, you know, the, the, 
pile on one side of the table to the pile on the other side of the table. Uh, another good friend of mine was, you know, when her kids got older, she got very involved in in um, some volunteer work. And took it takes time to find good volunteer work that you really feel it's right for you. And so she dabbled a little bit in this and that and other things, and she settled on a couple of spots that she really. Um, got a lot of fulfillment and and enjoy out of, and she did those in her spare time while she was working. And then when she stopped working, she could amp up on those, and while she you know lessened down her her workload time. And uh, so th- those are the kinds of things. Whether it's you know something that you could do part time or some other kind of work, I also think honestly, I, it's it just it's frustrating to me that I think companies could do more to help. Um, people transition into this, like maybe offer them the opportunity for some part-time, you know, sort of you know, phasing out, you know, or maybe be able to, uh, um, you know, uh, consult for a while, you know, as you move yourself out, out of, from a, from a formal role into a, into a true retirement. I mean, I'm on the board of directors for the college that I, um, uh, that I graduated from, and they, you know, all colleges are struggling. They're they're actually doing a pretty good job right now dealing with everything. But everybody's, you know, watching costs and whatever. So they put in a voluntary retirement program for the professors, and you can opt for a three, two, or one year option. And with it, they help you, you know, lessen your workload over the period of that time. They can plan for, you know, when you're leaving. They know how then what who they have to replace and how mm-hmm. they have to replace it. They can do better cost estimates then of, you know, of, of all this out in the future. And you get a chance to walk out with a little bit more dignity and a little bit more, you know, self esteem and and, yeah. you know. So I I really wish that and insecure <laughs> less insecurity. Yeah. You know, if we boil it down to the most basics, I I think very few people in business get to really work with intent. Only the top level leadership of companies basically gets to determine the direction that, that, that the companies are going for the most part. You were saying that for most of your career, you were reactionary. Mm-hmm. You were reacting to what was needed to be done. And so consequently, you always had a sense of purpose because you were reacting. Now, when you started your retirement, you were reacting at the beginning because you had your holidays and then you were reacting to your family's needs and your daughter's needs. But that is uh, not a reliable source of motivation because at some point that might dry up. And at that point there, you had to shift to an intentional life. And that was, I think a lot of people break at that point. They never get to that point. So good on you for discovering that in yourself and even better on you for figuring out a way to help sharing it with others and let give them that maybe, maybe flip that switch so they understand it. I, I hope that what I'm writing and what I'm doing is, is helping people. And just the fact that I'm actually, that I'm doing this is hopefully something for other people to look up to and say, I can do that too. Big news. We have merch. I know. Really, Steve? You have merch? When did you become one of the cool kids? Well, I will tell you exactly when I became a cool kid. I became one when we got merch. What is merch? Merch is merchandise. We now have our very own Gray Matters t-shirts. And the best of those t-shirts is our trademark t-shirt, our best-selling t-shirt that has on the front, experience is not something you can Google. Yes. It tells all those pesky Zs and Ys and millennials that our experience is incredibly valuable and it is something one has to work for and earn. Indeed, experience is not something one can simply Google. Read the shirt. Better yet, get the shirt. Links are in the show notes or visit us at dottotech.com. So, uh, you know, Janice's point about... uh, making planning before you retire or before you transition out of full-time work into whatever it is, a side hustle, your your, thing, whatever's post employment is, is well taken. And I have to think a small percentage of people actually think it through. Agreed. And I loved her perspective. Um, I remember when my dad retired and he's that kind of person who just always needs to be doing something. And I, I want to fess up. I think I made an assumption. Oh, it would be easy. Why don't you just find something to do? 
why don't you find, you know, ways to, to, how does that work with your kids? Uh, what, like, you know, I'm bored, mom. Why don't you just find something to do? What do they end up doing? Something useless, right? They end up going and playing a game. Yeah, exactly. And, and you, you have to get, you know, you have to give them ideas or even like, sometimes you have to force them into it, say, start doing this and I bet you'll like it. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, let them, but but yeah. And, and I, now I want to go like, apologize to my dad, be like, I'm sorry. That was a really, you know, myopic thing for me to say, you know, just find somebody to do Cause I loved how she brought that up saying, it's, it's a harder transition than you think, unless yeah. you're planning ahead for it. Like she says, you know, to say, have something ready that, you know, you're just going to, you're going to still be able to step into or continue doing once you do retire. We make assumptions that, uh, that leaving the workforce, leaving that the discipline of the workforce, it must be a, a release and a, a freeing step, mm-hmm. but we don't often recognize enough, uh, how much it can cause a loss of relevance and a lack of center. And yeah. how, if you don't have purpose, uh, you just, you know, you drift, as we say, well, you drift. And, um, I, I think it's, it, it's just a good thing, good thing to be thinking about regardless of what age you're at. I mean, you're now, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're, you're many years away from transitioning from traditional work, but you are already thinking about it. I guarantee that you could not listen to that interview and yeah. not start thinking about just, uh, how you can prepare yourself. Right. And I, I also from a Gen Xer perspective, um, I'm someone who I, it's very foreign to me to think about being at a company for more than five years. Actually, mm. my longest stint has been somewhere. It's been five years. And whereas, uh, the same company, his whole career. So 30 plus years. So I really found that interesting and, uh, you know, again, different experience, but she mentioned that when leaving, feeling that kind of like, do you miss me? Do I want to hear from you all? Yeah, you know, I was there for so long. And I, I, while I may not be able to relate with that exactly, it was a really good perspective to hear and be like, yeah, that'd be a missing oh, part that yeah. you need to replace somehow once you, once you do retire. Because you are part of the fabric of that community and the, in the business, whether, whether it's a great company or not, you are an important part of it. It's an important part of your sense of identity. Yeah. And all of a sudden, and her story about the, the interview with the person who wanted to talk to her, just, oh. it just, it, it, it literally touched me because yes. I've been there. I think there and you, and you role play all of these different, uh, scenarios before you have the phone call and you build more into it. Then all of a sudden to be let down that way and just to have you literally to have your balloon deflated it, that yeah. way is just, uh, it's, I, I, I certainly felt for her and it very much, very quickly brought the reality of the situation to roost. When you leave, they don't miss you. And yeah. that is really hard to take. Yep. And I got, I got mad on her behalf when I heard that. Oh, I yeah. was like, ah, oh, you know, like, how dare you? How dare, you know, and A, communicate clearly saying, I need to fill this role. I need your advice for who could be good for it that you know, not it rather than the, the, this job. Yeah. It yeah. And the, the, yeah. The guy was tone deaf. Yeah. And it, it made me mad too, because it, it, I very much thought of the pick your brain mentality. Like, Oh, you, you're just, you're not doing anything now. You have like an hour that you can just for free yeah. consult with me. And it, that made me mad too. So I, I got, I got, you know, irked about that on her behalf and, but this is not new, you know, so this, this she is was, probably pretty routine. She was disrespected on mm-hmm. multiple fronts. First yeah. of all, the fact that he didn't consider her for the job. Secondly, that he thought he could, that she was just a, a resource to tap into with no quid pro quo. Exactly. Just give me this stuff because now it's useless to you and you're just a, a husk there on the sidelines. Well, so, and props to her for, you know, kind of, you know, processing. I love what she's doing. Oh, I guarantee I think you she's, I guarantee you something that she has replayed that conversation a million times in her mm-hmm. mind and she's come back to it and said, I really wish I'd said this to him because I know I wish I would have said that to him. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that whole like, oh God, I just came up with the best retorts and whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Indeed. she's doing great. I, I just love what she, you mentioned she's got that, the plan, you know, plan on her site that you can take advantage of. And I loved her plan it forward. That is yeah. so cool. What a great way to look at it. She's one of those people that has a great, uh, turn of phrase she has a great command of, of language in in, in in the written form and uh she uh, her site is is very readable and her content is very relatable so that is it for this week uh reminder that if you want any of the links of which there are going to be many many from this week's show notes uh you can drop by our website at dototech.com 
forward slash 60 gray. This is the 60th episode of gray matters. Uh, yeah. Dottotech.com forward slash 60 gray. If you do are so inclined and I know people in podcasts always ask you to, sh- to uh, comment and to like our podcast on whatever podcast platform you're on. And that's all great. But you know what the best thing you can do if you find our podcast valuable is share it with somebody else who's a baby boomer or a Gen X that you think it could help. Sharing it and using that viral network to get it out to everyone is the best thing that you can do to help us. Thanks so much, Rachel. Thank you, Steve. I hope you have a great rest of your week. You as well. Until next time. Steve Dotto, have fun storming the castle. Do you think it'll work? It would.